The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another issue. Hey, I got it right once, finally in a while, um, of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. And joining us again this week, it's becoming a theme. We're getting guests on the show more regularly again, um, which is good. It's a nice change. Um, joining us, last time he was on, we called him a Marvel rookie. Now we could call him a Marvel veteran, Marvel legend. Um, used up has been. Not yet. <laughs> a broken that's, down old is, relic. that's after five years. Oh, okay. So you, you haven't been with Marvel that long. It's been two years. So this is my prime. This is my prime. Yeah. This is still your prime. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, you're, you're still in your prime. All right. Broken um, down. That voice right there as I'm pointing at the screen as if people can see. It's an audio show, you, you fool. Okay, I know that. Uh, I've had very little sleep, so I'm a little slap happy. Um, the voice you just heard. Well, that's Eric. That's Kylan. But the voice who was saying he's in his prime is Marvel writer Ethan Sachs. How's everyone doing? Hey, guys. Glad to be on the show. We are glad to have you back. Oh, yeah. So before we hit the good Marvel stuff and get into what your what your latest projects are with Marvel, I know you have a non-Marvel pro- project that you were working on um, that you were, when we were originally supposed to have you on, uh, deadline was getting close. Is this something you could talk about? No. Okay. <laughs> Never mind this question. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. No, no. Uh, so there's, um, you know, the reality of, of the current situation is there have been a number of projects that have sort of been pushed back a little bit. So I can't talk about them, but they are probably starting again soon. Uh, and then there is a project I'm really excited about that sort of combines my background in journalism with comics which should be announced hopefully next week. But unfortunately, I can't talk about any of that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I love that. Mike, Mike gives you this tremendous buildup, and it's kind of like, we get to, do we get to talk about that this time? No. <laughs> I'm so and, sorry. <laughs> Sad trombone. Wah, wah. And, and, and that, that's exactly what I heard. Like, oh. oh. <laughs> and, almost here is heartbreaking. And, and Thursday's response to that is? Hail Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday's cruel. We know this. She could be sassy. She fully downloaded the sass subroutine. Yes. Yes, she did. Um, well then, let's talk about your current Marvel projects. Okay. Um, you God, there's been so many that you've been working on. Um Well, I the one that's running now, right this second as we speak, is Star Wars Bounty Hunters, which yes. I can talk about. Um and uh a couple of have sort of wrapped up, um Old Man Quill being one of them, and then there one of the projects that's been delayed is a Marvel project that I can't talk about. So 
Uh, I can definitely talk about bounty hunters. <laughs> like, I, I um, have the first two issues. Yeah. I think, the, I think the third one came out before the pandemic. No, the second one did. Okay. Third, so, so I'm current. So I'm, cur- I am current. You're, cu- you're completely caught. Um, old mill, old man quill. I have not gotten to, um, I was actually going to do the same thing with old man Hawkeye. I want to get the full collected volume. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I just don't have a lot of storage space. Um, but I, <laughs> I know this sounds bad. I'm waiting for the, uh, the next Marvel sale, on comicology to get the digital copy so I can have that to read on my iPad. But I want the for physical copy, I want to get the trades for Old Man Hawkeye. And I'm going to do the same thing with Old Man Quill because uh, I love that whole concept um, that they they took off from the Old Man Logan and decided, let's do a couple other characters. And I love what you did with Quill um, of when you come back to a Guardians team and they're like, yeah, you're, you're a has-been. Go. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there are a couple of twists and turns along the way. I'll just say yeah. that. <laughs> and also, uh, Robert Gill, who is the artist on that series, just he really um, he really nailed him as a sort of Chris Christopherson kind of thing going on. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was trying to figure out who who he looked like, but Chris Christopherson works. So, um, so bounty hunters, tell us how that project came about. Well, I mean, I I've, I've been you got to understand for me with Star Wars, Star Wars and Marvel are like two of my lifelong cultural touchstones. So just to get to work in both those worlds, you know, um, I, you know, I can I can show you on my computer. Of course, the the listeners can't hear it, can't see it, but I have all these like action figures in my writing space of characters that I got to write specifically that I've always wanted to, you know, that I loved. So I've like everyone from like Bosk to Hawkeye up there, and um. Uh, so, like, Star Wars, you know, I saw the movie in theaters when I was four years old in 1977, and I don't know how many times I've saw Certainly a New Hope. Uh, but the ch- So, basically, about two years ago or so, I got the chance. Sorry about the background noise. I live in the middle of Manhattan, so if you hear, you know, stuff. Uh, no worries. Uh, uh, but anyway, so the, um, you know, uh, I about two years ago... Um, you know, one of the Marvel editors who's on the Star Wars title, and I worked on a Silver Surfer uh, annual, and it really went well. So it's like, you know what? If there's an opening in the Star Wars line, I'll bring you in for something. So I got to write Mace Windu, a 10-page story, and that was my first, and I didn't screw it up too badly, I guess. So they just kept giving me more work, and I got to do um, a Galaxy's Edge uh, miniseries when, you know, tied to the opening of, of uh, the theme park. Uh, and then um, Allegiance, which was a prequel to uh, Rise yeah. of Skywalker. And so then they gave me my own um, ongoing, which for, you know, fairly new comic book writers, a pretty big deal, a pretty cool deal. And they, they basically gave me Bounty Hunters. And it, Bounty Hunters is basically, I get to use a lot of like the classic Bounty Hunters uh, that, you know, Michael and I were talking about before the show started. Uh, you know, the classic scene in Empire with all the Bounty Hunters you know, sort of, you know, just sort of menacing, uh, you know, standing around and, and just looking completely cool. Like, I remember that very vividly from when I was seven years old in the movie theater. So getting to write them, but it's mainly through the, the point of view of this character, Balance, who was introduced in the Marvel Star Wars line in uh, <laughs> in, um, in 1978, yep. uh, the cy- cyborg bounty hunter, uh, who's sort of wrestling with his humanity or lack of humanity and and uh so he's sort of the point of view character but he gets to you know gets to go up against like bosk and boba fett and it's just uh been a dream to write now i have issues where he first shows up oh you do yes those are are on my list age fangirl when i saw (laughs) that valance had been reinserted into the new canon yes yeah uh, so thank you thank you for bringing him in well actually actually, mark uh sorry go ahead uh, i was gonna say ethan didn't ethan's carrying on the story he was first brought in with target uh he was actually brought back into canon with um with han solo imperial cadet because oh, he was he, he was one of the um he was he was in the in the flight crew flight school team with Han Solo. Okay, I'm gonna have to grab that too. And it was because of Solo going to try to 
I hate to spoil this, but it is pertinent information for this conversation. He goes and rescue. Plus, the books have been out over a year. Um, he goes to try and rescue Valance after Valance had been shot down in a in their first official battle. He goes disobeys orders, goes to try and rescue Valance, and because of that, loses his commission. And then we he gets thrown into where we see him in Solo, a Star Wars story. And then bounty hunter Valance is introduced in uh, Target Vader. Okay. <sighs> so I say my squealing was a little bit too premature then. You could still squeal, though. I encourage okay. that. Yeah. Well, I did. But Ethan gets to bring them to an actual Dr. Afra-type level, though. Yeah, I mean, that's, which is that's great. my great. Yeah. Okay. Y'all excuse me. I'm going to mute the mic while I squeal just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this should, this should really be a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, action figure to come, Eric. Yeah. I mean, seriously though. I mean, uh, Ethan, I don't know. Did you read the the old Marvel Star Wars comic books? Yes. Back in the day, back in the day yes. Uh, but I, ha- I mean, I didn't remember as much as I. So I had to reread everything, you know, as I was doing this. So uh, you know, I'm up to speed again. I, but it's like with new eyes because a lot of it, to be honest, I didn't remember. I was so young when when the you know when the, the originals came out. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of the things I love about Marvel Unlimited because, you know, hey, that stuff's available again. All 107 uh-huh. issues. And Valence was by far my favorite character out of that line. Yeah. I, I mean, mean there I... was some Jack, there was Jolie, there was um, there were several others, and we won't mention the Green Rabbit guy. Oh, wait, too late. Oh, Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> but Valence, Valence was my favorite. Hey, uh, Eric, Jackson's canon. I'm okay with that. Valence is canon now. Yeah. Jackson was brought canon with uh, IDW Star Wars Adventures, which those really? those stories are canon as well. Yeah. It's it's a little like um, they are canon, but there's also this sort of they're told by sort of narrators where you are not 100 percent sure if they're telling it 100 percent truthfully. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's so, kind of like when your Uncle Carl decides to tell the story about the Wolverine that he fought off with his bare hands. And, well, he may elaborate a little, uh, embellish a little. That that There's hope for Race Squadron yet, right? <laughs> oh, come on. I, I, uh, I, I don't know, honestly. But if I did, I couldn't tell you guys without having to kill you all. That's just, you know, Star, uh, Star Wars secrecy. Uh, there's always there's like floating death rays, like moving into position now. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have the kind kind of shield technology to to to, to no, we don't. So, no we don't it they, takes a long time for the satellites to go into place anyway so well, yeah. th- I, wouldn't wor- I wouldn't worry about it well thankfully we're in the above ground underwater suborbital volcano lair so there's some natural <laughs> shielding there it should be fine so um <laughs> So how, so we were talking about how you you were given the the opportunity to do bounty hunters. Um, did did they pitch the characters to you, or was this something that you pitched to them? No, so they they wanted to do a you know because the thing is with with uh, Star Wars is so much of the of the stories are about you know this this is set like right after Empire, so in that in that time period it's it's all like you know rebels versus Imperials. Um, or if it's a little earlier, you know, Jedi, Sith or whatever, you know. But what I really liked was the sort of the people on the ground who just don't really care if the Imperials or the Rebels win. You know, they're they're sort of right. they're, they're you know, they don't have a rooting or like it's just they have their own problems. You know, they're they're just while everything is raging on in the in, the, in space, of, you know, outside the orbit of the planets on the ground. These are people who are out there, you know, fighting to survive scratch out a living so i kind of like those stories because you know you you can do you know a little bit of like sort of the samurai western and the and the uh you know but also crime you know sort of gritty grittier crime you can do mob wars like you can do all sorts of um you know things that you wouldn't necessarily and you know it's a lot grayer too it's like who's who's a hero and who you know is just well i I like how you said too this does take place after empire since this is now where we're at in the marvel universe for star wars dr afra uh and i'm assuming any inline canon um books that are taking place during the or not in canon anything taking place in the original trilogy time period 
uh, is going to be focused in the Empire, post-Empire era. Yeah, I mean... Between Empire and and Return of the Jedi, so... Yeah, I think it was big for CB when he came in to sort of, to pull the Star Wars books together so that they're all the main Star Wars books. There's Star Wars, Darth Vader, Dr. Aphra, and Bounty Hunters, and so that they're all in the, you know, overlap with each other. And Mm -hmm. so, like, you can have, you know, like, in Bounty Hunters 1, Dr. Aphra has a cameo, and um, you just, you you know, it's all uniform, and I think as a reader, I like that kind of stuff, where, you know, you're you're sort of um and there's only four books where you get all the continuity from four books so i think that's kind of cool too and and each one of the four books go their own way and then like marvel has done with secret wars and now they got empire coming um they've done it with star wars with screaming citadel with uh vader down you could do a crossover arc amongst the four for a yearly event within star wars to kind of tie them together and then let them go back off to to their own attachment i know it i know it's coming it, there's a pattern there. It's coming. I just know you can't talk about it. Hypothetically, yet. if anything was happening, I could always push the satellite button. Not, not Dude, man, I got plans this weekend, man. Don't do it. <laughs> I got plans this weekend. Well, not real plans because, you know, COVID, but something. You got plans to move from the living room to the to the dining room. There you go. That's, yeah. that's my Saturday night plan. right? Now. Yes, locked right. out. See, you know, you guys are talking about we're no, we're talking about bounty hunters here, and I'm trying to not flashback because I just got finished watching the two-hour season one finale of Renegade, and so I just hmm. kind of got this whole bounty hunter vibe going on. Which <laughs> I don't know if you know Reigns would even survive in that world, but you know, I'm just you know. Hey, hey Ethan, that button you were hitting, are you sure that was the right <laughs> button? You may need to press it one more time. Okay. Maybe that hey, was look, the staples we, baking it easy button. You know, we could totally Thank do one with Dick Gar running. Button. Have a nice day. <laughs> you could do like a one shot with Dengar, like riding around Tatooine on a speeder bike. I don't know. Just... I think Dengar requires a 12 issue uh, standalone Maxis really? series. I, you know, I, you know, I, I remember that scene with all the bounty hunters. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? You know, I, I kind of felt like, cool, 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 cool. And like, who invited him? You know? I, <laughs> and why is he wearing a bandage on his head? Actually, I think what needs to happen. We've had old man Logan, old man Hawkeye, old man, old man Quill. Now we need old man Dengar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Star Wars needs old man Dengar. Isn't he old already? You know, yeah, I mean that's just like tell. a third story. <laughs> and he, well, supposedly he he has gone. I'm I'm waiting to I want to get the actual visual encyclopedia for it, Rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker, but supposedly Dengar has gone full android in, by the time of Rise of Skywalker. I, I want to see, and we and supposedly we see the character in in the background walking. I want to see an old man Dengar where he has got this little tumble down shack on Tatooine, and he comes out and shakes his blaster. Darn kids, get off my lawn! <laughs> it's just nothing but a bunch of sand. See, I, I want kids or chawas. Yeah. I want I want to see it before he goes full android or, or full droid esque or cyborg. I can, confirm, I can confirm I'm not working on any story about the fate of Dengar. I will I'll just not, show that out there. But the, the whole the whole pre, the whole premise of your old man Dengar though takes place pre pre his turn to cyborg and he's sitting in the back of Ogus Cantina telling these stories. Sort of like an or, old, sort of like an old Billy the Kid or type. But, but no one's listening. But He's no one's at listening. A table by himself. Or really it's really heartbreaking. <laughs> old Dingar was actually Tatooine's version of AC Slater, and instead of the Cantina, it's actually the Max. <laughs> Oh, oh, as we oh. derail. This, this just writes itself. It, it does. I, 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 I think we need two maxi, uh, maxi series because we. There's just too many ideas to get into one. No, I, I got it. He's sitting there in the back of the canteen, telling his stories. Nobody's paying attention. The only, the, the only one that's that he's talking to is this droid who sits there during all the stories, and he doesn't find out until the very end that the droid had just shut down. <laughs> 
Oh, or the, la- or the last panel is the droid going powering up <laughs> systems <laughs> online. <laughs> or or Ethan can write a free comic book day or Halloween fest one off issue called Bugging Out with Zuckus. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna win an Eisner, I think. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, um, the way I originally got to Marvel was by writing a, a Greedo spec script. I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not. I don't, I don't think, think we did. did. I think no. we did. Yeah. I don't remember this. Yeah. So so basically, uh, in 2016, this is my secret origin story. That's not so secret, but uh, it is an origin story at least. So uh, 2016, I was working for the New York Daily News, a newspaper. I was the entertainment editor or the uh, film editor. And um, for uh, May the 4th, you know, the Internet holiday, I interviewed um, the actor who played Greedo. And uh, Paul Blake. You know, yep. And I asked him, uh, you know, just because did it bother him that there were whole generations that thought um, Greedo shot first? And because I remember very clearly as a kid that, you know, Han Solo shot first. And so he said it's in the script, Han shoots Alien, and uh, then he just went on this whole, like, almost comedy routine. He's like, I know he's myopic with those, like, weird eyes, but, like, how bad do you have to be if you're a bounty hunter? And he's, like, across the table. He's like, you know, he's in the wrong profession. He should have been a flower arranger. And he, he was just going on and on and on. So then I was thinking to myself, like, oh, you know what would be a good story is the murder investigation into Greedo's death. And, um... You know, because like with all these conflicting, I don't know if any of you have seen Rashomon, the the classic movie, uh, but basically if you have, and it's also based on a Japanese, old Japanese novel, which I did not read, but uh, basically it's a medieval Japan, a murder in medieval Japan of this like merchant and four different accounts of what happened. Like one, one is the person who seems like murdered him. One is his wife who seems like betrayed him. One was this like passerby that saw the whole thing supposedly. And one was the ghost of the man. So there was like four different accounts of like what happened. So I like the idea of this like one account being Hans, you know, Han shooting first, one being Greedo. And so I had this whole backstory around it. And so basically what happened is I, I the idea came to me and I was I'm friends with Joe Casada, like outside of work. I was friends with him, having known having known him for like 20 years. And we're at a Mets game together. He's a big Mets fan. And I just turned to him and I was like, do you mind if I sent you a spec script just for fun? You know, um, there's an idea. I think it's funny. Um, you could, you know, print it out and use it to, to curb your dog, whatever you want to do. But I just kind of want to see, like, if I can do this. And he was like, fine, whatever. And um, so I wrote up the script and I, I took it so seriously that, you know, being film editor, like I dealt with Lucasfilm a bunch of times. So I contacted uh, one of the publicists there and I was like, can you put me in touch with the story, someone on the story group? Because um, I have a couple like continuity questions, like, can I do this or that? So she put me in touch with Pablo Hidalgo, who's like, you know, kind of a, a god there, knows everything. Keep her the whole uh, on. And I basically was like, hey, I just need to know, is there any way I can just make it in the story that, um, you know, solo shot first? And he's like, no, because that's what George intended, you know, the, the, you know, so I worked around that. But then the other question I had for him was I needed because most Eisley, you know, the cantina there, no one turns around when someone gets shot. So it's like they're not they don't who's going to do a murder investigation there. It's just they're going to throw the body out you know, in an alleyway, and then they're going to forget about it. So, like, why would they investigate this? So then um, found I was thinking of this character who's in um, The Phantom Menace, uh, who is Anakin's, like, best friend, Kitster. Um, yes. And so I was thinking, like, if he grew up, because in, in, in the extended universe, um, in the Legends universe, he becomes a smuggler. He grows up to become a smuggler. So, like, but as far as I knew, in the sort of condensed you know official canon now all that happened to him was in episode one right so like right. we just saw him as a kid so he was kind of like a blank slate that was my hope so that was confirmed for me so he's in exactly like he's in the pod race scenes or you know cheering on his friend but then he also is cheering on anakin as anakin beats the crap out of baby greedo uh in a deleted scene that's in the dvd so then i was thinking okay he knows greedo so this is like a childhood friend or childhood contact. So if he grew up to be this homicide cop in Moss Eisley, he would actually care to find out because
because this is a piece of his childhood. So I had this whole backstory and I had this whole thing and I, I did it and I, and I put in Boba Fett to have a kids kids your fights Boba Fett at one point. And I, I did this and I you know I I because I covered comics for so many years for the newspaper I like reverse engineered the scripts I did like. Um, and so I, I did the, what I thought was the best possible script a, a, an idiot who didn't know what he was doing could produce. Um, and so I sent it to Joe and didn't hear anything for like two months or three months. And uh, he later told me that he was so sure it was going to stink that he didn't want to or suck. He, he used the word suck. Um, that he didn't want to read it right away because he's like, all right, well, I have to be honest with them and I have to have this uncomfortable conversation, so I'll just put it off. But then uh, my wife's Japanese. We, we flew back in September, in August to September uh, 2016. We flew, you know, on the way back from Japan to New York. We were visiting my, uh, my in-laws. September 7th, 2016. I remember this because the day that changed my life. The plane lands. I turn my phone back on and I get a message from Joe and it says, never mind, like you could do this for a living like this is the best one of the best first scripts from a wow. beginner i've ever seen Sweet. and from that script which never got published <laughs> which got rejected uh probably by lucasfilm probably for i i don't know what the reasons were but i you know don't want to pry but they liked it enough that they put me in you know uh, axel lonzo was the editor-in-chief at the time um reached out to me and he's like give me a list of characters you think you could write and they gave me like an eight page uh, daily bugle story that was a part of an of a sort of anthology series that was a spin-off of secret empire so i did a daily bugle story that was my yeah. very first story and then from there um mark basso was the editor on old man hawkeye reached out to me and he was like hey uh, i'm asking several writers to pitch for old man hawkeye uh so literally that three script led me to leaving the newspaper i took a buyout so i had like seven months worth of pay so that if i if you're starting a new career where they're not paying you much in the beginning like you know then i, I had that and i could stretch it out for more than a year um so yeah so i just kind of jumped at it so literally greedo i owe everything to greedo of all things so so you're saying you have a little shrine to greedo in the corner of your house uh, i i definitely have some Greedo love. Uh. Yeah. In fact, uh, for Galaxy's Edge, uh, the Star Wars mini I did, uh, one of the Star Wars minis I did last year, um, it's it's sort of like it's told. So it's about Doc Ondor, sort of the central character. Yep. And there are all these artifacts and things in his in his uh, den of antiquities. And so I was like, you know what? I want one of them. I, I could use whatever characters I wanted. So I used like Han Solo and Chewbacca in the first issue. I used Dr. Aphra. But I was I was like, I want to do, I want to make Greedo a badass. So I had uh excuse my french i hope that's okay oh, anyway no. so, okay. so i i ended up um you know doing a story where he's leading this this sort of mission for java and you know he's just this, like well semi his eyesight is an issue <laughs> i i, I, I want to that was what either issue two. it was issue two yeah yeah so Which, I, and they they were like you know what and even Lucasfilm was like you know what I know you like Rita you may as well put him in. <laughs> so. Well, I, I I loved how with that issue the mission fails and then Java goes I got this other mission for you I got this new yeah. new thing for you I was like oh so that sets up his final yep. final moments. Which I'm was glad you noticed perfect. that because I had I had to tone down the script a little bit. Because it was like a lot more obvious in the script I handed in. They're like, no, you gotta like, don't officially say it. Just you can hint. So no, I okay. I caught it right away. I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is this is cool. So I gotta ask the question now. When uh, when they told you give a list of about eight characters you think you could write for, who all was on that list? Well, I was trying to be cute because I was like, I, I you know I'm not gonna put Spider Man because like there's no way they're gonna give me Spider Man. So like, Greedo was, was number like, one. Uh, well, I was like, you know what? I, I could do like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series. I, lo I love Loki. I could do Loki. I could do Blade. Like I, I had all these characters that were not like currently, they weren't doing anything with them as a, as a comic. Because I was thinking like that maybe I can get like a four issue miniseries and like show what I can do kind of thing. Uh, so literally, with the exception of the Daily Bugle, which was actually one of them, too, you know, because, you know, I, I think of like, even though it's a DC thing and I probably should shut up now and, and for a Marvel podcast. But, you know, like the Gotham um, 
uh, you know, PD, the, the, yeah. Red Rock, uh, yeah. Uh, so like that. Was it Gotham Knights? GCPD. GCPD. Yes. GCPD. Yeah. Um, you know, I just loved telling those stories through the eyes of sort of more regular people, you know, on the ground, but it's still, you know, and, and even Marvel's, which is like such a classic, uh, yeah, yeah. Alex Ross, mm-hmm. um, you know, the art is just amazing. Like that kind of, um, you know, look, just look at these larger than life heroes, but through the eyes of the people that have to live in that world. And like, you never know when the Hulk is going to come to town and like drop a building on you, you know? So, uh, I, I like those kind of stories, but anyway, uh, I ended up writing none of them with the exception of an eight page <laughs> daily bugle story. But yeah, I remember, I remember, uh, definitely agents of shield was on there. Cause I was thinking like, who knows, uh, blade, um, Loki. Uh, those were the ones I, some of the ones I remember. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go so, back. I want to go back to Greedo real quick. Great pitch for next year. <laughs> I want to see Marvel bring back the an April Fool's issue like they had done because one of my favorites was the generic superhero comic book. Mm-hmm. Eric remembers it. it. It it was a white cover and it said barcode here, company logo here, and it's a generic superhero comic. And <laughs> it, it, it was mm-hmm. an interesting book. I I gotta find a copy of it again. Um, an April Fool's issue one off on just Greedo. I don't think it should be an April Fool's issue. I think they should take it seriously. I mean this this is a guy who came closest to to bringing down Solo. Like he. Um, I kind of feel like there's a whole backstory of just, you know, I wonder like how many people, how many incredible other bounty hunters he's taken down to get to where he was. It's like one of clearly one of Java's favorites. You know, I, I, yeah, I think you have to take him very seriously. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's the unsung hero, I think. So, okay. So did you, well, two, uh, two, two part question or two questions. I don't know. First one, did you read a lot of the legends and extended universe prior to um... yes and no um not like encyclopedic not everything because to be honest you know one of the reasons disney did what it did i believe i mean i don't know this for sure is like it it was kind of like the wild west like it wasn't 100 yeah. percent clear what was canon what wasn't um because exactly. so much was licensed you know before that and then the other thing too is like if you're a new like the thing about one of the great things about star wars is you have new generations coming in and like falling in love with it you know like like we're old, we're so old that we remember being seeing the original one in the theaters. But like, you know, my daughter's 16. She loves Rebels and she loves Clone Wars. And like she loves those more, I think, than some of the movies. And so, you know, and then I have I have a five year old niece and I'll never forget this. She was, you know, uh, her older brothers, they had all come over uh, my place and we we're watching Mandalorian. So the, the older kids were watching the Mandalorian for the first time. And she's just like, she has no interest. She walks by the screen and baby Yoda comes on the screen. And like, I could see in real time, like it's, it's like, like a narcotic for kids. Like I could see for the first time her eyes widened and she literally started tearing. She's like, Oh my God, he's so cute. He's so cute. And then she became obsessed with baby Yoda. So it was like, she got struck by a lightning bolt of Uh, yeah so like it's different generations find their way in different ways so i kind of feel like hey if you tell them you have to read 170 novels and you know 40 years worth of comic books to understand the whole story that's a lot to ask someone coming in for the first yes, time right you know well but now do you struggle to not let that or the, the stuff that you read, not let that creep into what you do now. I sometimes try to put a little Easter egg or two from, you know, because because like Valance, for example, uh, you know, he came in from the Marvel comics. And then also like because I deal with some of the bounty hunters, there's a book, I think it was 1996, uh, was it Tales of the Bounty Hunters? Like yeah. it's like a collection. Dark Horse, of, yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, but it's also like a novel, right? Yes, or not yes, a novel, yep. it's like a collection of short stories. Yeah, yeah collection of stories. Yeah, so there's like a couple of things here and there that I might insert from those, you know, like nothing that nothing that sort of opens the barn door or whatever, but like oh. enough that hey, if you were if you were alive in 1996 and and read this, then you're maybe it's like an extra little pleasure for you to to, to recognize it kind of thing. Yeah. But for the most part, I, I I you know I know what the continuity is and. You know, there are people who's like the the editors, both at Marvel and at Lucasfilm, will catch if if I go too far and 
in a <laughs> certain direction. I was going to say, correct me if I was wrong. Um, you anything you do, it ha- it has to be submitted to Lucasfilm for final approval before it goes to the artist. Correct? In your yeah, opinion. no, I mean, but even even before that, it has to go to the Marvel editors too. Like everyone, you know, one thing that I think people who just you know who read comics but are not in the business itself. Editors are so important, and I'm not just saying this in case they're listening to this podcast and they have the ability to hire or fire me. Um, that's just a coincidence. But in all seriousness, they're so important because number one, you know, like I'm a freelancer, right? Like I, they're they these editors work for Marvel, and they're like so protective. You know, like for example, like when I if I write a story that's in regular continuity about Hawkeye, like you know, you can kind of play with the character, but you can't break them. You know, like. Like Spider-Man can't suddenly shoot someone in the head. Like it, it, it would ruin what Spider-Man is. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can drive him to the point where he almost, you know, kills Doc Ock out of fury. But then he, then he reins himself in because Spider-Man at the end of the day, that's, you know what I mean? So right. there's a, so these editors are caretakers, right? They, they, they need to protect um, these characters, and they have a great sense of these characters because they've been working with them so much, and they love them. I mean, no one goes into the comic book business to make a lot of money they go in because they're you know they never really they never really grew up past you know 11 or whenever they discover this this stuff like because they love it so much so uh you know i kind of feel like it's uh the editors at marvel and at lucasfilm are very much you know protective they don't want to um and then the other thing about which is unusual about Star Wars, different from any other franchise that I can think of, certainly, is it's all connected. Like, if something happens in a Marvel movie, it does not directly affect the comic books. You know, maybe they try to tie in a little bit, or maybe mm-hmm. they base something on a comic story. But if, like, Captain... If, if Steve Rogers is suddenly old at the end of Endgame, and, like, and you know, yes, they did the storyline where he passes the torch to, to you know to Sam, to the Falcon, but eventually, you know, he comes back as Captain America, whatever, and he's not old anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so what happens in the movie doesn't have to tie in with the comics, you know, um, Lord of the Rings, the books and movies are separate, you know, even though they're very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, Harry Potter, same thing, right? But Star Wars, everything matters. So like you have a, a theme park, you have a video game, you have a comic book, they're all puzzle pieces of the same large story. Right. So something that happens in my comic book is like part of the same world as you know empire strikes back which is amazing like what, i mean what, that's amazing i'm like creating characters in that universe and it and it took the 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 mer the the merger i'm gonna say merger not the buyout but the merger of lucasfilm to disney to create that official canon because i i mean i, I think it rounded it up you know like yeah. it, it made it you know a little bit more clear well, Lucas, I mean, we, we said this over on my Star Wars show, Wookiee Radio, um, which you just heard previously to this show here on Sorcerer Radio. Um, we uh, we talk all the time. Even back when Lucas was in charge, he had stated the books are not canon. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's most beloved character, Mara Jade, mm-hmm. he did not like at all. That's why she was never used in anything officially canon. Uh, I think he had a couple book, couple series that he liked. You know, the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, uh, he really enjoyed and came close to considering canon. Uh, Splinter in the Mind's Eye, he considered mm. canon. I think Shadows in the Empire, mm. he had considered Shadows, can, yeah. considered canon for that time. Once the new era came out, or the Disney era has started, that's when they said, "Look, except for these four issues from Dark Horse Comics, and which we will consider canon, everything before book wise." It's now Legends material, and that's where it's got to stay because we have to establish a new formal continuity because the other con- the other continuity people were liking was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, your mic's muted there, Eric. Well, no wonder y'all were talking all over me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, if you remember the old continuity, it was such a jumbled up mess that there had to be like five or six layers of continuity. And yeah. all of them, all of them had to fall in line behind the movies. Yeah. Right. So it's it's kind of like, well, you know, what happened in the Thrawn trilogy trumps what happened in this video game, but it does not trump the original trilogy or the, or the prequel trilogy. It's just, it, 
I know it made a lot of fans upset, but really this was the only move Lucasfilm could make. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's been said by Pablo Hidalgo that now that pretty much the episodics are over and they started some with solo Star Wars story, (laughs) they are trying to bring back some of the better parts of the EU Mm -hmm. and make them canon. I mean, prime yeah. example. I mean, balance. Balance, is, yeah. balance which, yeah. yeah. And they said that from the get go, actually. Yeah. I right. mean, that was in the original announcement from Lucasfilm that said, hey, we're going to take the movies in an entirely different direction, in a new direction, but the old expanded universe is going to be a fertile ground for creators to, to basically cherry pick what they like and bring it into the new one. Yep. You know, and I and I'm actually I'm fine with that. I know that a lot of people complain. A lot of people complain. But the thing is, we ended up I, I like what we've gotten as a result, you know, and plus I'm one of those I'm one of those people I need to know where I am in relation to said universe. There were certain points in the in the expanded universe I'm like, but and I, and I wasn't one of those people that read everything. Like I, I read what I liked. <laughs> and well, I didn't like a whole lot, but you know, I was kind of, you know, it, it de- depended, you know, like, uh, like the Jedi Academy. Okay. That was fun. The, the X-Wing series. I like mm-hmm. that, you know, but there was some stuff I just couldn't get into that being well, said. Go ahead. No, yo, go ahead. No, go ahead. You were saying so, that. So, being said. So, so that being said, yeah, you know, there are, there are certain parts of, of the EU slash legends that I would love to see, but at the same time, there, I've gotten stories and characters that I wouldn't, I, I don't think I would have gotten otherwise. Like, if I had to choose between Kyle Katarn and Poe Dameron, I'm going to choose Poe Dameron. As much as I like Kyle Katarn, I, I like Poe Dameron better. You know, he, he's a more interesting character, you know? Yeah. I look at it this way, and I am probably in in the tiny minority here, but the way I look at it, I've been a Star Wars fan since 1977, but I realize none of this stuff actually happened. Wait, what? This is, this is all a work of fiction. Han, right. Han only How shot. dare you, sir? Han only <laughs> shot. So, so here's the thing. Good stories are always going to be good stories. Mm. I don't need, like, say, the, the, if the, th- I still like the Thrawn trilogy. I don't care that it doesn't fit into the new canon. I don't need it to connect to the new canon in order to enjoy it. And that's that's the point that I'm getting at. And I'm like, some of these people are saying, well, 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 how am I supposed to enjoy this if it doesn't take place, if it doesn't connect to the to the current timeline? I go, I don't know. Uh, the Lord of the Rings doesn't connect into the current Star Wars timeline. Do you like reading that? <laughs> it's, I, it's all one shared cinematic universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. <laughs> I, I, can, I can almost see this. Luke is in the is a rancor pit, but it's not the rancor. It's the Balrog. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. That's a mental image you're not getting I mean, rid like, of. Easy. Once Disney buys Lord of the Rings, then, you know. And, and, all and, are all and all of a sudden you hear solo language. Solo language. Um. So with Galaxy's Edge, which is a great series, um, Thank you. and and I, I will say partial bias with that because I have a Batu in my backyard, even though I've been to it twice because of cast blackouts. Mm. But I, I will say I'm gonna have to undo my effects for this, my background for this. I did go to cast previews. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I found out or with my mom, I helped my mom get my Father's Day gift. I have the Disneyland version of this tumbler coming, nice. which is red. Their cast preview cups were red. All their cast preview merchandise was red. Ours was blue here in Florida. Um, but it it's I don't know if you have been there, but it's such an escape. It's wonderful. Yeah, I've been there twice. They actually flew me down uh, to help open the Orlando one and then to help open Rise of the Resistance. So as far as I can tell, you didn't look I had me to up. do some signings and like do a talk uh, at Golden Oaks, but other than and do some inter, uh, media interviews. But other than that, as far as I can tell, they flew me in to do the ride, to take the rides and like show off the rides. It, and so you it, was just, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And you didn't give me yeah. a call. Shame on you. Yeah, my phone. You know, yeah. you have to check your uh, phone. Uh, Ethan, you're you're fading. You're, you're 
Okay. <laughs> there, there's something wrong. There's some static. <laughs> so, question. I, I think your voice, wait, that's my voice <laughs> You know, you hit that certain age. And now, the question that I have about Galaxy's Edge um, how closely did you have to work with Disney saying, like, well, you know, did, how much of Galaxy's Edge did you know going in to write this? Well, um, so we had to know uh, a decent amount because, um, and it was more, so the artist, Will Sliney, uh, great guy, he, he had the toughest job because, you know, I, you could kind of fudge it a little bit when you're writing. But, you know, he said, like, what I draw now, if I get it wrong, someone could be walking in the park with the page cracked open in a graphic novel you know in the trade paperback and like immediately you know like you you can't hide it if he makes a mistake so and then like my script was um so like in comics you open it and there's a page one after the after the cover and then you open and there's a page two three spread right so often like what i really wanted to do on issue one was have this page two three spread be this aerial view of the entire uh, Black Spire Outpost, because um, I was like, you know what, this is going to be the first chance for many people to see this, and I really want to, I want to, like, blow their minds on that 2-3 spread. I would love a an actual copy of that 2-3 spread to, to frame on the wall. Yeah. And I'll, it, it's such a gorgeous... Well, you know, I, I can ask Will, because I, th- I think he does most of it digitally, so, um, you know, it probably exists as a PDF somewhere or something. <sighs> I, I, I don't, I don't want to oversell, because I really don't know what he does with the, with the art, but... Um, but anyway, so he had to, the problem was they were still building it when he had to yeah. draw this thing. So we had access and there was like a lot of like NDAs and all this kind of secrecy of this creative Bible of like, I think it was 168 pages. And it had like, I mean, Imagineering are just insanely talented people. Yeah. And they basically drilled this backstory down to like backstories of these, you know, characters and concept art and all this kind of stuff we, we just had a form we just had a former imagineer on the show last week that you may know uh, personally that's brian crosby oh okay i don't know him personally but i do know uh. who he is yeah so um so anyway so like you know and there were a couple of times he would draw something and they literally had changed it in the course of building it compared to where it was in this bible that might be a few months old so he had, he had to do some revisions here and there, but like what he ended up with was like photorealistic in terms of just accuracy because he just really put in the yeah. effort and they really helped guide him. Um, you know, everyone was nice and they gave their time and like because everyone wanted this to be to succeed from like Lucasfilm to Imagineering to Marvel. Um, so, yeah, so it is pretty accurate like it is. Uh, but, you know, then the weirdest thing, the weirdest thing in the world was stepping in that park for the first time. And it's like I had been living in this in my imagination and, and seeing the concept art and seeing his art and picturing it. And then it was there. It was like exactly like it had been torn out of your head. Uh, it was nuts. It was just it's a really weird experience. Now, I, I will I will say and these guys could probably back it up because I don't remember if I said this with them. I get issue one. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole story of Han and Chewie going to get the baby Sarlacc. <laughs> I got a funny story about that. But go ahead. <laughs> And then it ends with Doc Ondar. You know, we're looking in the Tenement Antiquities, and here's this Sarlacc, baby Sarlacc. And, of course, we see it in the—I believe we see it in the beginning, too, going, what's that? Yeah, you don't see the actual creature, but you no, see the tank. you do see the in actual the creature. Very in the very beginning. Not in the very or beginning. At the ver- yes, the very end. You yeah. do see it at the very end. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I was already said, if they don't have a Sarlacc <laughs> in the shop— if I don't see it and they don't have a good backstory on why it's not in the shop, I'm going to be pissed because I want to see this baby Sarlacc. That, that was my baby Yoda until baby Yoda <laughs> came about. Cute. Matter of not opinion. quite as cute. <laughs> Matter of opinion. Um, we'll put it to you this way. No five-year-old is crying going, true. it's so cute. Um, no. I thought it was adorable. Um, <laughs> I would love to have one sitting over in the corner somewhere. Um but I'm, I'm like this, but seeing it, even though it was a different chamber than what was in the book, and, it, and I can understand something happened probably with the original chamber during the time that the book was written to the time that Galaxy's Edge takes place and he had to relocate it to this. Baby Sarlacc was there. 
That's the important thing. Baby Sarlacc was there, and I was cool with that, and I, and I loved it. So you said there was a backstory behind the Baby Sarlacc. Well, so what I, we knew that the Baby Sarlacc would be there. I, they told me some of the stuff that would be there, and I was like, oh, I want to do a Baby Sarlacc story. So it was like, okay. Uh, but I thought it was going to be much bigger. So I was like writing this script as if it was about the size of a great white shark. Cause you know, I thought, okay, <laughs> that's scary. Like if they're running away from, because the other thing I learned about Sarlacc, which I did not know before I took this project was they move when they're young, they move. It's just like when they get older, they root down and they grow bigger and they sort of stay in one place, but they're, they're not, they're not immobile their whole lives. Like they move around to hunt and stuff like that. So I was like, oh my God, can you imagine like this great white shark size sarlacc that moves like how it's almost like a horror movie so i had this thing and then their notes were i got some bad news for you like it's not even close to the size it's so much smaller so uh you know it's like it's actually the size of a, maybe a dog you know and not even yeah. not even like a great dane or anything and like maybe maybe a beagle you know so um so yeah so i had to really tone it down i had to have a couple of them and you know have maybe like a teenage roughly age sarlacc otherwise it would look not very scary so anyway uh we changed it. we had to change it on the fly but it was once this great white shark size monstrosity that was actually kind of scary so what were you given the chance to uh do your own little easter egg that got incorporated into the actual parks so uh the the sword that's sort of the MacGuffin. um that was we got to sort of make the backstory for it and um and it was kind of cool because the name and everything and the backstory of that sword which which is in the in the shop is like ours um like our backstory so that was kind of cool so we got to sort of define it i did not realize the sword was in the shop I, yes i thought that was just it's written on the second it's kind of up high off to the side you can sort of see it uh when i'm allowed to go back which i may get to to go when we do cast previews for the parks before we reopen in July. I'm gonna have when I take my daughter, if I'm allowed to and take just my hop daughter. The fence. Just hop the fence. If no yeah. one's there anyway, right? Yeah, totally, man. Do it. I, I like yeah. it. I like my job. <laughs> do it. Be the Naruto runner. No. I like my job. Twenty two years. They can't stop Thank all you. Of us. Kids, we are not actually advocating. No. Don't do this at home. Um, oh, uh, but I'll, I'll have to look again because we we plan on going uh if we can only go for one day we plan on going back to studios and just spending the time at galaxy's edge yeah i wouldn't she, leave she hasn't she hasn't gotten well i'm waiting for for cast blackouts to be lifted so on a monday i could go and sit outside docking bay seven and sit down on the on that outdoor patio with a drink and break out the laptop and load up the podcast onto the to the website It'd be an ideal location to do every week. Hey, so where do you post your shows from? Galaxy's Edge. Bati. I go off world <laughs> to upload. The Wi Fi is so much better out there. Yes. The, the data charges, though, man, that's going to be rough. Uh, it, I, it's I a pig- 20G network, eh? I, I, I piggyback off the first order's transmissions on the HoloNet. So. Uh-huh. Um, you resist, are you? Uh, that's, what a, <laughs> that's what us smugglers do. Um, so. How, what were the differences, though, uh, from what you had in the book or in the series to what you experienced when you went to Galaxy's Edge? Um, I mean, I guess like where everything was in relation to like, you know, because we knew, OK, there was a marketplace. We knew what the marketplace looked like and we knew what, you know, uh, Ogas looked like. And we knew what what because we had seen so many things, but like just seeing it all together as like a living, breathing place. And where everything was in relation to each other. I mean, it's pretty big considering, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but otherwise, I mean, we, we got kind of submerged pretty deep into it. So I don't think anything caught us too much by surprise. Uh, yeah. Fate. Allegiance was a little different. Allegiance was a little different because that was a prequel to Rise of Skywalker. And that movie, there was so much secrecy with that movie. So I had to do a prequel. I, I didn't couldn't see the movie at first, but uh, they sh- talked me through the first act. But the first act changed kind of decent amount by the time I saw the movie. I got to, I got to go to the premiere and see the movie. So like literally, as early as I physically could have seen the movie, I saw the movie. Uh, but it was still like so much was completely new that I could 
I could be like any other fan and enjoy it. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So with with the writing with uh with you writing Bounty Hunters and this taking place after Empire, does that does that make you go back or or do you watch Empire with different eyes now? I mean, I've watched it so many times that uh yeah no i mean i've been watching re-watching actually clone wars a lot because there's some like bounty hunters some of the classic episodes mm-hmm. and i'm kind of hoping that maybe i can you know use bounty hunters that maybe go beyond the empire lineup uh, but also but yeah well I'm n- no comment on anything but um but also i uh i'm reading a lot of the classic star wars uh issues from marvel back after empire like so they 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 did the empire adaptation in in the continuity of the comic you know uh, right. and then from there there are some storylines as they're you know hunting for for han solo um so like it's around the same time so i was thinking like hey wouldn't it be cool if i found some way to incorporate some little you know minor character or whatever just so i'm reading everything religiously and then i watch mandalorian it you know i'm gonna i'm gonna rewatch it actually again soon um and re ending up finishing up rebels again and then i'm gonna do um mandalorian again and so I, i'm trying to find you know i want to watch solo there's some you know bounty hunter or, or mob related stuff in solo so i you know like looking for bits and pieces uh Part, it's all part of the same universe. So, so it, it, it's very cool that it sounds like Marvel and Lucasfilm want to bring in for this time period, now that we're post-Empire, uh, more of a non-Jedi, non-Skywalker-based underworld story. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, you know, a lot of what I'm telling you is stuff that I'm looking to do, and then I can hand in a script next week, and then they can say, whoa, you're way off. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> No, there's way too much Dengar in this story. Like you've got to, got to scale back. <laughs> is that a such thing? Yeah, and why is he talking to a powered down robot? I mean, who? What? What do you think you're doing, Sax? <laughs> you're out. <laughs> you're fired. Um, Dengar is yeah. like cowbell. Um, <laughs> needs more Dengar. <laughs> I got a fever. That fever is more Dengar. <laughs> They, they break into an illegal clone factory and it's all they're making more dengars so it's just like <laughs> they're like the, the tribbles in star trek there's just here we go just dengars everywhere here we go here you go this is how you bring the east alamirian too because you know, they're just they're racked in there's a new bounty hunter created that ethan creates it's a cross between jackson and a hoob jib named saxon oh there you go Oh, there you go. And, there you go. And, and he he's a rogue journalist turned bounty hunter. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I'm getting the backstory for this character. from. But... <laughs> An old broken down. <laughs> <laughs> old, old man Saxon. <laughs> Bring all the worlds together. There you so, go. So do you think there will ever be like a sequel series to galaxy's edge um you know honestly there could be uh you know first of all they're expanding you know they're they're uh you know uh, there's the galactic star cruiser for example there's all these things we could do uh you know i'm down i you know obviously with the pandemic um it's not the time to approach with new ideas necessarily till we get the old ones back up and running. Right. So like, there's nothing in the works, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly down to, to keep explored, to do as much star Wars as I can and, and to do more Marvel stuff too. Uh, what I was working on that's currently paused was it was a I'll just say it's a four issue miniseries. I won't say what it was about, but it was kind of cool. It was very it was very different. So uh, hope, hopefully that will get finished at some point. Well, I, I could I could see Galaxy's Edge being turned into a almost like a Disney Kingdoms yeah type mm-hmm. series. Like maybe the next one, if it was to happen, instead of being based at Doc Ondar's, it's based at Ogus yeah. or or based or based around Savis. And, yeah, well, and what, what happened was or uh, because everything's so intertwined at the same time, Will and I were doing Galaxy's Edge. A lot of the Dawson was doing Black Spire, the, the yeah. novel, and Zoraida was doing uh, Crash of Fate, which was like a sort of YA novel. Yep. So they were focused on like, so, for example, Black Spire was like set in Savi, with was like really concentrated with Savi's and the ruins. So like they didn't really want me to to dwell too much on that because it would be like maybe not overkill, but sort of right. like the thing is, if you if you get those three things, those were the three major sort of publishing things that went around the opening. 
if you if you get them, they each told a different part of the, or they each focused on a different part. So, and I, I like Doc Ondor's because you know, given it given a choice, you could tell the story of all these things, um, you know, all these relics or some of them at least. Yeah, and that could bring in kind of classic characters, which I loved. Uh, that you could almost do like a Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina type thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, the thing that I also didn't want to do is I didn't want it to be like a pure anthology because I didn't want to be like, oh, I missed issue two. So whatever. Let's pick up issue three. It's not like issue two matters. That's why there was that whole heist storyline, because I wanted it to build towards something. I didn't want it to be just like, uh, you know, just here's five separate adventures and, you know. Well, each each issue could almost be a standalone, but you do have that common, but you do have that common thread that builds to tying in the whole series. That was the goal. I kind of thought about it, like, you know, with with the sort of the Hasbro Marvel Legends action figures, like you buy, like there's a set. And each one comes with a piece that builds an action figure that goes along with it. So I kind of wanted it to feel like that. It's like, okay, well, sure, I can just buy, like, the Wolverine action figure. But if I want to build, you know, Juggernaut, I have to also buy, you know, these other ones. So I wanted you to want to build a Juggernaut. What a terrible analogy that was. I'm sorry. But like, at least, hopefully you can visualize it at least, <laughs> what I'm talking about. Well, I, I want to oh, say, yeah. too, wasn't weren't the covers all supposed to be connecting covers as well? Uh, for Allegiance, not for Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge. They were. I thought they were for Galaxy's Edge as well. I think so. Not the, not the main uh, covers. Not the main covers, at least. They don't. Look, variant, they, yeah. they don't look like them from uh, from what I'm looking here on uh, on Marvel's website. Okay. The the elite. You might be thinking of, of Allegiance because there was like four issues. Right. Right. And they they connected like a big movie poster. That was Marco Cicchetto. who was just a genius. Who is Eisner nominated as of today? There you go. Nice. Yeah. My my old uh, partner on Old Man Hawkeye, Old Man Marco. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he and, and Chip Zdarsky are uh, for Daredevil were nominated. Well-deserved. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Now I'm having to go back and look at the covers. <laughs> I mean, the covers are great. I, I thought I saw someone put them all together. At they, local- they might have put them all together, but I don't, I don't know that they get. Yeah. I guess they don't. But... Allegiance does. So that yeah. might be what you're thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Guys, you got any final questions? I know. I hate to say that because we're we're we've, we've had such a great time. Well, I know, great time I'm too. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of a question that that hasn't been touched on. Um, I could ask. I don't have to worry about a satellite coming down on me. <laughs> are there any other Star Wars characters out there you want to take a crack at? Well, I gotta say, top of my list would be. Um, and I got to write him in a 10 page story would be Mace Windu. I would love to just do something with him. Uh, he's one of my favorite Jedi. Uh, what I love, if not my favorite, um, what I love about him, like, first of all, I love that he has a purple lightsaber. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's like none of this blue or or green, like I'm going to make my own way, you know? And so I, I, I love that about him. In fact, when I went to... Galaxy's Edge, the one thing I bought for myself was a Mace Windu lightsaber, which of course you can't see because I can't do this green screen right. But um, anyway, it's here somewhere here. <laughs> there. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, so uh, I would love to do something longer with him. I, I loved I loved writing Bosk for whatever reason. I just I just think he's a freak, um, and I I just I loved writing him. So I'd love to. I I know those are not like original or not or not characters that I haven't written yet. Um, yeah. You know who I'd love to write? I'd love to write Jin um, Urso for uh, from Rogue One with Saw yeah. Gerrera. Like I would love to know what that relationship was like when she was a little younger and kind of running with his crew. And and like they got stuff done. Like you know at the gray lines that the the rebels wouldn't sort of yeah. get across. Mm-hmm. So I would love to sort of see like how he was raising her as the sort of surrogate father figure. I would love that stuff. Which yeah. who knows? Maybe that's in the works. But uh, not by me. Well, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, if there's no other questions, I will wrap it up with this final question. Where can people find you online? Uh, so I have Twitter and Instagram uh, public. I, Facebook I sort of just keep for my family stuff, you know, family photos and stuff. So uh, Twitter I think is Ethan J. Sachs. There are not many, not many Ethan Sachses, although there is one. 
in Washington who's better looking and more successful than me. <laughs> so that kind of sucks when there's so few and the, the like the one guy is like, you know, superior to you in every way. But whatever. I'm over it now. Um, that wasn't your question. though. <laughs> 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 yeah. So there you go. Um, and I'll pose out there one more time to Erica Kylan. Any final thoughts? Mm, I like no. pop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. What were we talking about again? <laughs> oh no, no, I, I I did not read the Galaxy's Edge comic book, but I I probably will this weekend because it is on Marvel Unlimited. That's what I was yes. checking for. As and, is Old Man Quill. If you want to uh, yes. check that out, it's on Marvel Unlimited. And, and Old Man Hawkeye. And Old Man Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah. I so, I love the idea of Old Man Hawkeye. I just yeah. So yeah. So this episode, hi. Ethan sucks. <laughs> that is more appropriate than Kylan knows because uh, Kylan, for those of you playing along at home, which should be all of you, uh, Kylan was kind of late getting getting to the to the recording, and Ethan was wrapping up dinner and he was just having a, a you know having a, a slice of pie for dessert. And, what you know, kind we, of pie? We won't say he. We he won't can. say oh, he can bourbon pie. See, that just does my southern heart good. Yeah. <laughs> See, we won't say he trolled us with it. But I mean, they're literally were, like eating it in front of the camera. Yeah, there were a few slow passes in front of the camera. It's it, kind of like you know, it put, it put to shame my M and M's and grape soda. It was, like a, it was like a model in like an '80s hair band music yeah. video. Like it was, they were just oh. like lingering in the camera and it's just here the night (laughs) his his hat his hat was flapping in the wind i I was feeling kind of insecure so i had to like to to go into the other room and get my last remaining slim jims just so you know i I would have something well for dessert i did have a a slice of a carrot cake but that was pre okay. coming on here, so well, that's okay. For next for next time, we'll we'll synchronize. <laughs> yes, we'll synchronize desserts for next time. Uh, I'll bring cherry pie and uh, play Warren. Danny <laughs> <laughs> Lane was from Akron, so there you go, folks. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll bring apple pie and not recreate that scene from American Pie. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, on that, I was so hoping I wouldn't get. <laughs> Oh. Now, now we're now everyone's grateful. It's not a video podcast. Yes. Oh. On that note, Thursday, <laughs> if you would please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. It's time to go dark. <laughs> Activating security protocol self-destruct sequence, erasing all data from the core.